Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey guys, welcome to Working Class on DeerCast. This episode, I have my great friend Danielle Wilson on, and uh, I'm just doing a pre-intro to this only because we're using a new like online software instead of Zoom, and we had a hiccup with an echo for like the first two minutes. So I cut out that two minutes. I'm replacing this with uh, that's why this podcast kind of starts sort of randomly. Uh, she basically starts off just basically introducing herself, talking about how she started her business on $5,000, um, which I love. I love this whole podcast. I think there's a lot to take away from this, not only from like dear educational standpoint, but more of like a self-motivating thing um, for what you want out of life and what you do in life. So that's all. I'm sorry about the first two minutes, but I'm glad I caught it when I caught it. Otherwise, we'd be doing this whole podcast over. And I always say I'm a hunter and a redneck first, and I'm a nerd, uh, probably not even second. And I'm trying to do this podcast stuff. So hope you enjoy. Thanks for being here and putting up with me over all these episodes and all these years. So um, we'll see you in the episode. Thanks, guys. You said you started your business for $5,000. Yep. That's very doable, I think, for most people, whether they have it or they got to go get it yep. or whatever. And I want to dive into that a little bit. But why deer processing? Because you guys like to deer hunt. It. And, and a quick, a quick fun, fun fact for WCB listeners, if they weren't around when you did your first episode, you were the one that brought the term hang <laughs> and bang to our show. I did. So, I did. People might not know that. That's a good like WCB like yeah. That was fact. our that was our OG moment. <laughs> this is OG like first introduction when you drove down when the studio was yeah, at the house. Yeah, yeah. Oh my awesome. gosh, that was so much fun. <laughs> it was great. So, um, you guys like to deer hunt. I would think if you like to deer hunt, starting a business processing deer would be counterproductive for your deer hunt. Yeah. Well, here's here's the thing: is that 
we definitely knew that with our business being agricultural, uh, that the money was going to slow down come a certain time of year. And we had to do something to, again, kind of bridge that gap. And both mm -hmm. of us knew and love butchering deer fairly well. We're self-taught. Um, you know, it's not like we had any formal training or anything. I am the type of person that I learn how to perfect things by doing it a thousand times the wrong way. So I have practiced on my own deer. I have sat there and tried to figure out, you know, what is this cut? Uh, you know, and it helps that I cook too. So, you know, I can sit there and, okay, this cut is the best for this and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we sat there and we thought about it. And the thing is too, is that during peak hunting times, you can still go out and hunt and then come home and butcher deer you just have to be prepared for a 16 to 20 hour day, <laughs> which is a lot of what yeah. we did. We did a lot of, you know, hey, my husband would get them skinned and he'd get them quartered out. And then he'd go hunt that evening. I would cover and I'd start deboning the meat, grinding, doing certain cuts, all the knife work. So we kind of did it as like a tag team sometimes uh, when we wanted to work hunting yeah. season in. But we knew we could do it because, again, this being home full time. Um, we knew that we would be able to swing it. It was just going to be burning our candle at both ends, which it was. And I don't advocate for 20 hour days every single day for four months. <laughs> yeah. Well, I bet it's a grind, but you know, anything that you do for yourself or you do for the benefit of you to build in the future you want to yeah. build is kind of that way, yeah. I think. And I think most people absolutely. Get and you know what? I'd but rather work a 20 hour day for myself than an eight hour day for someone else. You know, I mean, truly yep. at the end of the day, uh, you know, our kids got to be in there with us as you know, I homeschool them. So they were in there with us doing their little worksheets. Yeah. You know, I'd have the little heater on in their school room and, uh, they'd be doing their worksheets and they'd be coming in. Oh, mommy's cutting out the sirloin again. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So, it. so when you guys like decided, okay, we're doing this because now you guys, you guys are dear basically 24 seven, 365 and your head's probably already, but then even yeah. more and then add a little more on top of that, if that's possible. But like, how did you go about like planning to do this? Like you said, you built a walk-in mm -hmm. cooler. Like I know most people, my first thought was like, okay, build one or built. buy one. Yep. So we have, we have yeah. a 115 year old barn on the property that is mm -hmm. as I swear, as pristine as the day it was built. It is so well crafted. And uh, there was this huge tack room in there that we weren't using. And so we sat there and we planned it all out. And yeah, we built a walk-in cooler. So framed it all in, rodent proofed everything, insulated everything. We got, um, again, with the $5,000 budget, you get yourself a, a really big, like the certain grade air conditioning unit. And then we had a cool bot put on it. And the cool bot tricks it into thinking that it's warmer than it is. So it runs and then it like it can get it down to I think we were at 37 degrees for most of deer season. Um, yeah, just like bypasses. The thermostat yeah, yeah. And just keeps it, it, um, yeah. Awesome. So we did that. And, uh, you know, it's it was really rewarding because even now, you know, we put a hanging system in there and stuff and um, 
even now it's nice because I can use it for pretty much anything else now. Now I have a 10 foot by 10 foot refrigerator. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. So no, it's nice because the investment is worth about it. You know? one. Yeah. So for $5,000, I mean, you could have went and spent probably 10 grand on a pre-bought walk-in cooler right. alone. I mean, I don't know how much. I've never priced out yeah. a big one, but I can only imagine how much, like, you know, go buy in a, a big walk-in setup. With yeah. And to be honest crazy. with you, I think that with the walk-in cooler, and Andrew knows the specifics on, you know, like the dimensions and all that other stuff for the cooler and what he bought exactly. But I want to say that the cooler, the walk-in cooler was honestly only about 3000 Like, I think... I. Yeah, I think about 2000 was spent on our actual butcher room, uh, which we put in a you know different room in the barn. So we'd take our deer, we'd wheel it in, and then we'd hang it up in the butcher room, and then we would work on them one at a time. And so we got our stainless mm. steel, you know, food safety approved uh, tables, you know, our knives and all that stuff. And uh, now it the walk-in yeah. cooler itself wasn't even the most expensive part, so... Yeah, imagine like you like food grade anything is probably a little cashier. Just a little, you know, yeah. and and what's nice is that again for at least for me it's doubly useful <laughs> because the food safety yeah. stuff and all that's all it's all something I can carry into the rest of my business too. So, you know, again it yeah. kind of made that invest that initial investment a little less white knuckled, you know. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Well, t tell people like besides just like the deer processing side, what else do you guys do? I didn't want to sit here and like product plug or anything, but <laughs> plug it. No, it's good. This is all like self-made yeah, yeah. stuff. So we, like it's um, all good. So we're agricultural services. We uh, provide people with um, essentially think of it as like big gardeners or small farmers. Um, you know, we mm -hmm. garden five acres. And we provide the community with thousands of pounds of produce every year. Um, and then I take that. I make a huge amount of pickles, uh, pickled everything, pickled carrots, pickled beets, pickled jalapenos, regular pickle, just all, all sorts of yeah. stuff. So it's nice because, again, a walk-in cooler, I sat there and I was like, hey, we can hang deer or I can put a shelving system in and yeah. put all my vegetables in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. But it's cool. It's just like full-blown from the land yeah you know and, and that's, you know, I mean, you know that's just that's so what i dig you know i i just i want to yeah I, I love authenticity i love um you know really seeing the process and i love my kids seeing that process i love them you know i love that for them i mean my kids homeschooled everyone says oh your kid doesn't get socialization my kid was out there shaking people's hands at you know, nine o'clock at night, helping us receive deer, um, you know, yeah. talking smack to veterans because they love it. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause he, he loves having, you know, the vets come down and stuff. So, um, you, you know, it was just such a great all around experience and it's so cool. No matter if it's a vegetable or a deer or whatever, to see the process of it go from what it is, to what's on your plate is just uh, gets me jacked. Yeah. No, and too, like talking about your kids being homeschooled, it's like nowadays it's probably better with how mm -hmm. weird everything is. And then too, it's like they're interacting with, and we've said this a ton of times, the best Absolutely. people on earth, which I think yep. are deer hunters. So it's like, yeah, yeah they're, they're fine. Yeah. And they're, again, <laughs> what eight year old looks at you and full fledged shakes your hand, you know, and, and has a good grip and, and just, my gosh, these kids are just, 
the privilege that it, <laughs> you know. Well, it's wholesome, man. That's what's that's Thank what's awesome you. about it. And two, it's like they're gonna take over what you guys are building right now. I, I imagine so. because that's what they're gonna know. That's what they're gonna want to do more I than likely. So. I hope so. so. And we're in a great area yeah, so, for it. It's not like it's ever gonna, God forbid, go away. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you guys are Pike County, yeah. Illinois, which everybody knows. Like that's the spot, yeah. And I'm so. I'm right on the Pike County Adams County line, so it's I mean we're and then Brown County is 15 minutes that way, so I'm like the golden triangle right in there. So it, it, you know, and yeah. Missouri and all that other. So yeah, it's God willing. The deer yeah. are here to stay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're white tail capital Mecca. You know, right and there. the, thing, and the so, thing really quick that I think is really interesting yeah. about every line of work that I do is that it's all, and something that we can all appreciate from the last few years, it's all, recession proof. It's, it's, I mean, I'll tell you what COVID was incredible for business for us because everybody panicked and wanted to buy all local support, small business, support this, blah, blah, blah. So that to me, having a skill set that we always have to fall back on, if nothing else, Mm -hmm. my husband and I have the skills to, you know, provide for ourselves, um, and then not only that, not only butcher our own deer, but then make money butchering other people's deer, you know? So it's, yeah. it's nice to have a, a skill set that you can fall back on, you know, and that is, sure. is recession proof. If you know, it's the most valuable yeah, skill yeah, you, you know, can fall back on is food and survival. It's you know, like that's you're the good. reason why all of us are here are because of those skills, those skills from our ancestors and, mm. and the people before us being passed down. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for those. And I think that that's, that's something right. kind of special, you know? Absolutely. No, you're right. I mean, that's, it's great for business. I'm always fascinated with like the canning and the pickling <laughs> and stuff, but it's, it's something that like, I, I love the yeah. idea of it. Like I will buy your products. I'll buy our buddy Gene Miller start getting into yeah. the same thing. I'll buy from him. I'll buy yeah. his honey that he's making from his own bees on his own yeah. farm. Like I'm into it, but I'll never do yeah. it from a time standpoint, but I'll support the hell out of you. Like I have a grape vineyard, grape vineyard. I have a lot of grapes yeah. on my property and I let Gene come get them yeah. so he can make See, like jams perfect. and, and, and stuff. I think a lot of people yeah. appreciate it, but not, not a lot of people want to dedicate their lives to it. Like that, that's my no. life, you know, is, is that process. Yeah. I totally appreciate and respect that most people don't have that time in the day or that degree yeah. of dedication <laughs> to the process. Well, you have to make it part of your life in order to like keep Absolutely. up with it. I'm sure, especially like the gardening side, like, like when my wife and I first moved into our house, we had this massive yeah. garden that the people before had yeah. like too big. And we tried to keep up with it. It's like, this is a full-time it is job. absolutely a full-time job. <laughs> and I'm just like, we got to downsize. Like we got to tear this yeah. out. It's too much. Like let's Turn utilize our yard. Lot. We want to do our, <laughs> yeah. I, and I did, I put, I put clover it's down awesome. in it. It's just to get it to grow. Yeah. So um, other things use it as a garden, but yeah, the gardening thing, it's, very much hand in hand with what we do as hunters, Absolutely. you know, but, uh, for me, man, it's just so much, but I respect yeah, thank the hell you. I appreciate it. So, it. Um, so I mad props to you there. So getting back to the deer processing yeah. thing, I, I always kind of like visualize if I worked at a deer mm-hmm. processor, some like what crazy things do you see <laughs> come in? Like 
What's the good and the bad? What do you love and hate about sure, it? Like, let's just sure. kind of get so into it. So I would say that the part that I loved the most was that you're a part of everybody's dear experience. You know, and and I may have yeah. missed out on some stand time this last year because I, I definitely didn't hunt as hard as I used or, you know, did last year, the year before. Um, but the thing is, is that you definitely got to be a part of everyone's experience. The kid that got his first deer, you're the first person he's seeing other than his family that he was hunting with to receive his deer. So you yeah. see him pull up and he's got, you know, a little, little fork horn in there. And, you know, you look at him, and, Oh, bud, you get that. And oh, they swell up yeah, with pride. Yeah. And, you know, you got, that yeah, is a you good got point. to be a part of everybody's hunting experience. You know, everyone who brought you deer, you know? So, um, yeah, I thought that was really neat to be able to experience that with people, you know, everybody remembers, yeah. Oh yeah, it was 11 o'clock at night and we had to go drop our deer off and, you know, I don't know. You're a little part yeah. of it, you know, and that's a big part of it, especially yeah. for a kid, you know, like you're the first person that's going to, uh, that's going right, to hide them exactly, up, you know, and, and then, you know, you know, if a kid came, I'd get my kid and I'd, bud, come look at what this kid just shot. And, you know, then they'd sit there yeah. and punch each other on the shoulder. And <laughs> so, no, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, for sure. I think that was probably one of my favorite parts. I think another part I really liked, um, is I did get to feel like, um, I got to teach people stuff sometimes. Um, I think mm -hmm. like there was a kid who brought in his deer and it wasn't even field dressed. And I'm like, okay, baby, do you know how to do this? He was in high school. He's so cute. And he's like, I have no idea yeah. what I'm doing. And I'm like, all right, that's what I'm here for. Don't worry about it. It's chicken food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. There you go. So, you're like giving lessons on how to clean deer yeah, to kids. Yeah, and stuff. I mean, I literally I was sitting there gutting a deer next to my barn at you know whatever nine o'clock in the morning because this kid skipped high school to go hunt and then didn't know what to do with it afterwards. Well, that's the kid to take yeah, the time to show how to do yeah, it. Then if he's putting sure, so it was really fun. I really liked that part of it. Um, you know, a lot of people are so used to uh, another thing that I got to teach people. A lot of people are so used to, especially like bone in steaks for deer, right? That's like everybody and, mm -hmm. you know, everybody sits there and gets it cross cut and all that. And I would talk to my customers and I'd be like, hey, but listen, you're really cutting across four different muscle groups and it's not going to cook the same. You're taking a cut that's good for a roast. You're taking two cuts that are good for steaks. You're taking and they're all going to have different cook times essentially, which is why when you get those big honking deer steaks with the bone in the middle, things don't cook evenly. Yeah. I've never had a deer steak like that. That was decent Be because again, the texture, yeah. this one gets tough. That one gets undercooked, you know? So I would teach them, okay, mm -hmm. you want steaks. I hear you. Um, how about we try your sirloin tip? You know, if I cut out your sirloin tip and I turn that into steaks, that will be the most mouthwatering steak you ever have. <laughs> you know, that will change your yeah, mind yeah. about deer steaks. But the bone-in ones, I'm like, please don't make me do this. Don't make me do this. It's a bastardization of these beautiful cuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's good too, because I feel like, ah, man, it's a bummer to say this, but like some, uh, we've talked about it in the past, a lot of bow shop experiences a lot of taxidermy shop experiences, mm -hmm. even deer processing facility yeah. experiences. Sometimes, and this isn't always, and like shout out to the good 
customer service people out there running their own businesses or a part of somebody else's yeah. business. Like, and even like tattoo shops, I go to a lot of tattoo no. shops. Nine times out of 10, the, the front desk dude yep. is grumbly. They don't help you with anything. There's really no customer service value. Um, a lot of bow shops right. are that way. A lot of taxidermy shops mm -hmm. are that way. And a lot of deer processors can be that way as well. When you drop in, all right, what yeah. do you want? And you're just like, um, I don't know. Right. You know what I mean? Like they might not know what to get, especially if they're a kid right. in high school. And that's like where you can break that type of thing down. Like, well, yeah, here's what I would and do. I, I can't even count how many times that's pretty much what it is. We are taking them in and we're, what do you use your deer the most for? If you're just a hamburger helper guy um, and you don't care, you know, if I'm picky with like the silver skin because you already add man witch or taco seasoning or stuff like that. I'm like, dude, yeah. brother, if you just want me to get as much ground off of this deer as possible, I can do that. I'm like, if you want more steaks yeah. with your buddies, I can do that. If you want more like jerky cuts, I could do that. So, you know, just sitting there being able yeah. to talk to them and really talk to them about what they want to use their deer for, um, how they like to cook it. Again, it works to my benefit that I love cooking deer <laughs> because, you know, they'll be like, yeah. oh, I want jerky. And I can sit there and be like, boom, I'll pull your bottom round out for you. That's absolutely perfect. Just cross cut it against, you know, a, for the grain and you will have perfect jerky yep. out of that. So it's nice to be able to, yeah. again, just be a part of it with them. You know, you're still, again, you're still a part yeah. of that experience. Even now I still have people text me and say, you were totally those sirloins. You were totally right. I'm glad I did it that way. Or, wow, I love the way that you thinly sliced that top round for me. Thank you. You know, so you still get to be yeah. a part of it. Even now, you know, people are out eating what you worked on all winter. So, um, I would definitely say yeah. that all that was probably my favorite part. Um, yeah, well, of course you can tell you, you had to be passionate about it and you have to care to like, cause if that side of things that that's your business yeah. really, I mean, yes, your business is deer processing. And this is why I always talk about like our friends at old barn taxidermy there in Fort Madison, Iowa, like they do processing, they do taxidermy yeah. of all kinds. And, they pr they're pretty much a one-stop shop if you're close to them. And it's like, they're so good at that, like friendly face customer service right. element. And you need that man, because that's like, that's what makes people who are maybe a little uncomfortable, a little uneasy, like dedicate to. Yeah. Your yeah. You know, and it's, it's nice too. I think I have such a, like a mom vibe, um, that I think people automatically, <laughs> yeah. you know, they'd pull up and okay, well, this little lady ain't gonna, you know, she's not here to swindle me or I'm not here to steal your meat. You know, I, I don't care. I'm just, I'm here yeah. to help. <laughs> I'm here to do my part, you know? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's big. That's, that is big. People pull up, Hey mama, pretty I much. got a deer. And then pretty you cut much. <laughs> Perfect. So, okay. So that's cool. I, I didn't think about like, you know, the kid factor of it and then like that and like building people up and helping people out. That's yeah. It's just, it, that was definitely my favorite part. You just, you got to be a part of their experience. I didn't just get yeah. to experience, experience my hunts this year or just experience my husband's or just experience my kids. I got to experience all these mm -hmm. people's. I got 150 deer in this year and I got to, and I brought in every single one of them. Me and my husband brought in every single one. We were the only two doing it. And you know, I, it's cool. It's really neat to be a part of that. And how fast did you get at the end of the year cutting up a deer? <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, I want to say that I could probably go like seriously from like beginning to end before packaging it. I was doing it. I don't know. We might've been three, four hours because we really tried to take our time too to like really go through and do it right. You know, I want to make sure yeah. that people get as much back as humanly possible. As you know, that means a lot to me to, you know, make sure that most stuff yeah. is utilized, uh, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, no, it, all of it, like I said, all of it was a cool part. I will say though, leading into the part that probably was, I'm not going to say not as fun. I guess it was disappointing for me is putting forth all of that work. And then I guess people would be surprised at how much meat you get back when it is just your deer meat. I'm not, I'm not adding pork. I'm not or fat. I'm not adding anything to it. And so I think people would be surprised at the weight of the deer that you get back, the weight of the meat, you know? So I think, and, and yeah. again, it wasn't, people weren't jerks about it. They weren't rude. Um, or anything like it was less yes. than they thought. Yes. People absolutely okay, yeah. unequivocally. I have, I even printed out a chart because I started holding myself to a standard. I'd sit there and say, okay, a hundred pound deer, like how much meat should, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm like, that seems yeah. like you're not getting. So I printed off a whole chart actually. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Yeah. This is fun stuff. That shows like okay. how much meat you should get back in. So uh, if you took a deer that was dressed out at a hundred pounds, okay, which is fairly common. If you took a deer that was dressed out yeah. at a hundred pounds, that's, that's like an adult, adult, uh, average yes, size adult yeah, doe. Probably. probably our average yeah. doe was probably between 90 and 105 pounds. So the average Dressed. doe, again, a hundred pounds, you'd get between 37 and 44 pounds of meat back. But that is with a perfect shot with a perfectly clean deer, <laughs> with minimal hemorrhaging and blood clots. Because um, again, that was kind of the thing. I told people, I said, I'm going to process your deer unless you tell me otherwise. I'm going to process your deer as if it is my own. I personally don't want coagulated blood in my meat. I don't want chunks of hair. I don't want huge things of the of tallow. I don't want, you know, huge strips mm -hmm. of silver, like the really thick stuff. Some's okay, you know, but yeah. so I tell people yeah. I'm going to process yours much the same way I would do mine. I would explain that to them and say, is that okay? And so it, by the second or uh, second shotgun season, uh, I was pretty much showing people the chart up front because I was like, I want you to know how much meat you can anticipate getting back. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's a good idea. Okay, so what what else is on that chart? I, I'd be yeah, fun to sure. kind of break so this some is of this literally, down. So. Well, this whole thing is just our little intake or uh, the sheet that we would give people. So I would literally write yeah. on there. I would write what their dressed weight was, what the hanging weight was, and what the final meat weight was. Because I wanted, again, oh. I wanted transparency. I wanted to tell people, this is where your meat's going. And I would even put on here, you know, if something was... Uh, like if you shot through your back strap, I made a note and, you know, two pounds of meat loss because you shot through this section, you know, but that chart mm. back there, that's yeah, this one. Detailed. And again, that one, I wish I had like a digital version of it. 
Well, it, we but can, it basically uh, just breaks it down in terms of what you can expect back. And it's funny because I think I only missed that, or we only missed that. I think we only missed it like four times. I think we were a little short four times. But again, I want to say that a lot of those times that shot placement was wonky. <laughs> and, you know, and the thing mm. is, too. Like a neck shot? Well, or like, like a one, I swear to God, Kurt, I can't make this up. So one of them, um, I actually even wrote it down. The um, Because we were sitting here laughing, sitting, thinking back on butchering season, you know, when I talked to you and stuff. And Andrew and I were talking and I go, what was our smallest deer? And he... He looks at me and he laughs. He goes, you don't remember our smallest deer? And I go, oh, wait, yeah, I do. Uh, this this guy, bless his heart, shot this deer three times. So three crossbow bolts, mm -hmm. one in the neck, okay. one in the shoulder, and one right in the bum. Okay? okay. Yep. And, <laughs> and uh, he brought this deer in, and I weighed it. And I kid you not, this is before it was skinned. It was 42 pounds. <laughs> yes and yeah wow and i'm sitting there i'm like dude you just paid a hundred dollars and you got back 12 pounds of meat 12 oh my <laughs> hey gosh. i can't make meat appear i even told him i'm like i'm like hey listen no. and here's the thing too i'm shocked he even got that because he shot my all my grind not all but most of my grind all the shoulder yeah. roast and the butt so that's a lot of, wow. I was shocked that he got 12 pounds of meat out of that. And again, if you want to go back to the, what surprised you in a good way, what surprised you in a bad way, I am shocked yeah. for the area that I'm in, how many people choose not to, I'm not saying anything against it, practice more quality management. There were so yeah. Because you're in the deer yeah. mecca. Like before you go on, like it's worse, like you're in Pike County, yeah. Illinois. Like everybody goes yep. to Pike County. Like the TV shows, everyone talks about Pike. It's a golden yep. triangle. So that being said, that's shocking. The, that's the, yeah, this is the shocking yes. that you're getting into. That, but I, that's, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And Illinois. you know what, too? I think, I, I think because I'm not originally from this area, um, I think that it's a matter of people in, that grew up in this area take for granted the huge and the mature deer that we have here. And they just think to themselves, I'll get what I need to fill the freezer. And then if I have a tag left over, I'll go out to my uncle's farm and get a big buck, you know? Yeah. And I guess mm -hmm. to me, I would have thought it would have been the opposite. I'm always holding out for my big guy first, <laughs> you know? So, Danielle, you're telling me that big deer, big bucks have more meat is what you're saying? <laughs> Who would have guessed? <laughs> That's why it cracks me <laughs> up when people are like, oh, you know, you can't eat the horns. That's always, you can't eat the horns. Well, you also only got 12 pounds of deer meat off of that 42-pound yeah. deer. So, <laughs> while you cannot eat right. the horns, uh, you also can't live off of 12 pounds of meat every tag. <laughs> so... That true. That's true. And then it's like, you know, I'm sure I'm sure a young buck and an adult doe are probably yep. about the same yep. weight, close. Maybe maybe a little heavier on the buck. But um like so we talked about the lightest deer. Do you have did you write down or do you have record of like what your heaviest deer was um, that you had okay, come in? So our heaviest deer that came in was two eighty nine. 
before. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Two oh nine after he was dressed. So, um, so that, that was like the wow. the hanging weight of it. So, I mean, it was a, yeah. a yeah. huge deer. So that was the biggest for weight. So they say that, according to again the chart, they say that at two oh nine that it would have been a 270 pound deer live. So, I mean, wow. that, that's a honker, that's awesome. you know, and he got a lot of meat yeah, out that's of that a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So smallest <laughs> and now biggest in terms of inches was 193 inches. See, that's, are you guys measuring them too? Or is that? Uh, no. So that one was brought in for a Cape job. They just wanted it caped. Um, oh, okay. and then, uh, I think he took his, cause he was from Michigan. I think he wound up taking the meat back or deboning it and doing it himself. I don't know, but that was just a Cape job for that yeah. 193. And he had it measured afterwards and then messaged us. So we didn't know it in oh, the cool. moment, but we sat there and took bets. Cause I mean, you saw it and you were like, yep, that's close to 200. <laughs> yeah. I, that's I awesome. walked into yeah. the barn no, and I wanted fun. to cry. I saw it sitting there and I was like, can I touch it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, yeah. The, the things you got to see is like, got to be so cool. Like something you guys should do. Maybe I wouldn't surprise me if you're already doing this is taking like, Absolutely. Data. Yep. Like moon phase Absolutely, data. Are you doing all that? That was what Andrew said was his favorite part was that he essentially got the deer cast from what was happening. Mm -hmm. You know, we got to see when right. things were, you know, when the rut was heating up, we got to see, you know, a lot of really cool things. You got to see how the moon correlated with how, you know, the moon phase, how that correlated with how many deer we were bringing in you know, and all that stuff. So that was mm. really neat to see. Um, you can almost plan your weekends using DeerCast, the app to know how busy you're going to be this weekend. <laughs> pretty much. I never thought about yeah. that. That's a good, uh, wow, that's interesting. You guys should start yeah, comparing Yeah, you know, and since this was our first like, year, your you know, I started taking in all the data and stuff. We wrote down like how many deer we took in a day. I mean, like I know, and you know how I am, with all the alphabet agencies, but between the DNR and the uh, Department of Agriculture and the, you know, Adams County Health Department and stuff, I wanted to make sure that I covered my butt completely. So I kept a meticulous record. I have a binder this thick of every single intake notes, all that other stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I sat there and I made sure. And then again, you'd sit there and okay, well, this was a really cold week and look at how the amount of deer that we just got shot up or, you know, stuff like, it was just, yeah, man, was yeah. it cool. It was cool. It was neat. And I can't wait to see what that shows over time. You know, when I have 10 years under my belt. Yeah. Like a five year. Yeah. Or 10 years. Cause it'll be interesting to see like, okay. And, I, and I'm sure you're doing this too. It's like, okay, we took in this date, you know, Demo mature or a young buck. You could like, Mark what he is and then look at the yep. statistical data over a decade in your pressure, area you know, and be like, how does that affect evening hunts yeah. versus morning hunts? You know, we noticed that we got an exceptionally yeah. like way, way, way more evening hunt uh, recipients. We almost never got guys doing morning hunts. Um, and again, you can yeah. sit there and look over time, you know, let's check this out in five, 10 years and see how that affects yeah. you know, stuff like that. So it, it definitely was neat. Super interesting.
I bet it was, man, because you're going to be a better hunter in the long run just from like taking oh in between the data that in real time, and like you know? learning and seeing the anatomy. You know, I mean, being that intimately, you know, close to that many deer, you sit there and you're like, okay, yeah. now I see why. At some point, I, you know, when I was younger, I shot a deer in no man's land. And I, I'm like, what the hell happened? You know, but then you go and you, you're yeah, looking yeah. at the deer and you're, okay, I see how that could, you know, a deer could live through yeah. that. Or, you know, uh, what we did too was we took all the scapulas and we saved them. And yeah, and so oh. we're going to use them like for our own broadhead testing. It's not like we're doing like an official thing or anything, but we have all the scapulas and it's cool to see when you shoot it with an arrow, the difference between say a mature buck and a doe. A doe shoulder blades, you can go, you know, they could be paper thin when they're, you know, nice and young and stuff like that. And you could sit there and shoot broadheads through them. But then you get those mature buck yeah. ones and you're like, shit, it's no wonder they're so much harder to kill, you know? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So what, um, like how often are you finding broadheads <laughs> in deer? Like, and, I, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking like, maybe, maybe I am. I guess I don't know where I'm going. Uh, like, okay, the deer is dead. Yep. That's why it's there. Like the hunt yep. was successful. All right, let's, let's talk about additional broadheads that weren't yeah. from that hunter. How, how often does that happen? So how I'd say we found it? remnants of past shots, I'd say maybe one in every 25. So I'd say we probably only found like okay, six where it was clearly a different shot. So like I found a piece of a crossbow bolt, a crossbow bolt in a deer one time. That was my favorite because it went from edge to edge and it had started to build up scar tissue around it. So I thought that was really, wow. really neat. Um, and then We've found broadheads before, and unfortunately, the broadheads that were in there from previous hunters that weren't the hunter that brought it in, every single one of them was mechanical. And so we would find mechanical broadheads mm -hmm. in chest cavity, you know, like sticking in the um, in the shoulder blades and stuff like that, yeah. like all around in that chest area or spines, especially. Uh, it's nuts that they can take a shot to the spine and brave anglers search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv walk i mean essentially walk it off make it you know i mean it was wow it was pretty nuts well the mechanical thing mechanicals are effective i don't think there's any arguing that it's just like when you see them it's exactly when it all went wrong. And that is like what we've talked about. It's the, the forward yep. hits, the high shoulder hits, the yep. it's the bone hits, you know, like I think mechanical, you want to be behind the shoulder end yep. of the lung end of the liver or not ideal, but for sure fatal in the guts. You right. Be, it's right. all soft tissue. And see, That's the thing that we noticed yeah. too. And obviously Andrew and I, Andrew, especially Andrew loves chasing whatever the new fat is. Uh, for hunting stuff, you know, hunting gear and stuff like that. So he's yeah. always all over the board. It's not like we have any undying loyalty to any certain brands or anything like that. But um, I will say that with mechanicals, when they work as intended and when you make the shot you meant to make, 
They are massively effective, massively effective. The, the wound yeah. channel on those things were unreal. But, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> if you, God yeah. forbid, hit a vertebrae or a shoulder blade or, you know, something like that, that's when we started seeing stuff yeah. like even successful hunts. A hunter would shoot it in. It wouldn't get a pass through. It would hit the shoulder blade. And then the arrow would literally bounce around in there. And so you'd see all of this damage. And you're like, how did the arrow come out of the neck? And then you're sitting there and you're looking and you're, oh, oh my yeah. gosh, look at what it did. And we could literally take like a shish kebab stick, stick it through. Cause we always wanted to see how did this, how was the shot made? And again, I would sit there and I would take notes. Um, but we would sit there and see like shot yeah. placement and stuff like that. And it was, they do some funny things in there, you know, particularly mechanicals. Yeah, yeah. I'm partial to fixed blades, but again, I totally understand why people like mechanicals and stuff like yeah. that. I can't with my little midget arms, I can't I can't shoot a bow fast enough. <laughs> you know, so Yeah, yeah. Well, it's you knowing your equipment and knowing like your right. limitations as a bow hunter. Like, yeah, I get that. But like, you know, we learned that fast too and it's like this should have been a no-brainer, but it's stuff we didn't like. It was hard reality for our crew. Yeah. Like when we went to Africa, most of those animals are bigger, heavier boned. And their organs sit a little more forward than like a North right. American mammal. So you're almost shooting them in yeah. the shoulders. And we had a couple test runs and like, uh, I mean, like my first uh, animal I shot yeah. was an Impala. And I, I did, I was shooting a hybrid fixed mechanical oh, and perfect. I went through both shoulders and got lucky. But if it would have been a, yeah. a kudu, yeah. <laughs> I would have been crying. So we switched to a different, uh, same brand we always used, but we yeah. switched to a fixed blade, 125 grain. And then from there, we were oh, just yeah. tipping stuff over, yeah. you know, but it's, it's just knowing Absolutely. how to shoot Absolutely. with Absolutely. what you're so, shooting. It, and again, it's so, everybody yeah. has uh, their preference. I learned that there's uh, a couple people that prefer taking headshots with bows. Uh, I know I wasn't, I wasn't crazy about it, but I'll also say, and I hate it. But the biggest return on meat I got was with a headshot. <laughs> you know, like, well, um, I didn't you lose know, any for meat. For sure, but it's like room for error is know, so I much know, greater. I it so it's much. like, <laughs> is it, was it just like, did the people who did that, I'm curious, did they all kind of have the same? Yes. Were they the yes. same category of person? Okay, you don't say anything else. <laughs> I know we're, we're, we're on. Okay. I just don't want to get you in no, trouble. No, no, no. But, you know, like, and, you know, and it's, it's, you know, in the area that I'm in and stuff. And, and, and here's the thing, too. I absolutely love my customers. I truly, I 150 deer. And I'd say I probably had a less than pleasant experience or people I wouldn't want to do business with again. I would say probably twice. And ne none of them were local. Oh, uh, one was from New Jersey and mm -hmm. one was from Alabama. Um, so I will say that the people that take headshots, um, typically they're doing it the way their granddaddy taught them, you know, and, and stuff like that, shooting them right behind yeah, the ear yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. tough. So it, it, it is what it is. It's not, it's not for me. And it's no. not recommended by me, No, but, but it is I sat what it there is. And like, I was like, and again, the part that I hated the most was that 
I sat there and I was like, wow, we got a lot of meat off that. Ah, oh, shit, that's the headshot guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> I get it, man. But, you know, and I'm not going to tell someone not to yeah, do it, but right, I right, wouldn't right, do it. Yeah, and I wouldn't same. recommend someone doing <laughs> it. Well, I, I'm excited to like check in with you as the years go on as like seeing some of the more interesting stories yeah. you, you have. And it just, you guys need to come in studio and cut Hell up with the yeah. boys again or we'll, yeah. we'll do for that. But, um, but no, I'm really happy for you guys. I'm glad you got your return on your $5,000 risk investment on ma basically making well, the life you, I you want. I appreciate that. And it's do, taking any risk is scary. And it's not always ideal. And I'm sure everybody has their judgments on and their thoughts on it. Um, but it's awesome when you can do what yeah. you want to do and put in the hours for you and take the yep. chances for you. That makes it less. Scary yeah, exactly. And that's yourself. the thing is that if the biggest bet I'm making is on my work ethic, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Because I know yeah. I won't let me down, you know, and I know that I won't yeah. stop until it's done and done right and stuff like yep. that. So it really is sure. neat because I got to get paid to do something that I genuinely love doing. You know, I genuinely loved mm -hmm. every second of it. Like I, I literally, other than again, like, you know, you get an out of stater that wants the deer done in 12 hours and like they're leaving tomorrow. And I'm yeah. like, okay, now I have to put really? you in front of 30 other customers which I'm not going to spit in the face of my locals because you want your deer done faster, you know? So, but you know, other yeah. than that, it really was every minute of it was so much just genuine fun. And the fact that my husband and I got to literally hang out 16 to 20 hours a day with each other, we had so much mm -hmm. fun. There was times where we would just put on crappy music in the barn, like in the speaker at full blast and he would just be sitting there skinning and I'd be sitting there quartering and, you know, all this other stuff. And it's just, it's yeah. fun. You know, I got to sit there and butcher deer with my husband yeah. for four months and it was a freaking blast. And I learned a lot and it was yeah. definitely worth the investment. Yeah, no, I'm happy for you guys. I think, uh, I like talking about this stuff because it is very much so working class and it's just yeah. a hustle mindset. I think it's good for people to hear. And, and, you know, even the biggest thing, like, even if you did this for a few years and you're like, that was fun, right. but we're going to do something different now. Like you'll never no. regret trying it. And, and that's the thing. Like I was so scared of, you know, like podcasting's hot right now. Is podcasting going to be hot right. in 10 years? I don't know. Something will, some form of right. media will be that we can always do. But if I'm 65 and I'm miserable, and I'm working a job I don't like, at least I can say I exactly. went for it. And, and that's my biggest fear. Being like I should have done it when I could have done it. And I yeah. didn't because I was scared. Like that's the one thing that I think that yeah. that's what scares yeah. me the most about it. Like I realize how short and life see, that's really the thing is. Too. If you remember and Andrew's never, tree stand accident from two, two seasons ago. Well, I remember. Yeah. yeah. I can send you pictures if yeah. you want a reminder. His bicep <laughs> ripped off. Nope. I'm good. Those were tough to look at. Ooh, his yep. bicep ripped um, off. After that, I think it really hit us that, you know, the amount of time that you waste, not just, I'm not just saying like, yeah, screw work. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. 
But like the amount of time yeah. that you spend stressing about it, worrying about it, being consumed by it, and for what? Like at the end of the day, after yeah. my husband's accident, he texted his boss and the first thing he said to him was, thank God you're on vacation and you can still be back on Monday. Like, that's what he said to him that, oh, thank God you got hurt on vacation and you're not yeah. going to have to take time off of work. And I remember he hung up the phone Ugh. and he looks over at me. He goes, I've given eight years of my life to this place. And that's what they have to say. Like the ER doctor told me I was like literally a centimeter away from severing the whatever artery goes through that. And he's like, and, and this guy had to say, thank God you're on vacation. So it was, you know, it's a spit in the face and you're worth. And the thing is, and yeah, I don't bummer. think that men in particular are told this enough. You are worth more than that. You are more than just your job. You deserve to pursue things that fulfill you. And you're not just a paycheck. It, having a job that is meaningful fulfills men in ways that I don't think society promotes anymore. And so I really do think that that mm -hmm. was the wake up call for him. And I think that obviously after that yeah. was when we started our businesses and stuff like that. So, you know, I really, it really did. I, I loved seeing how much he loved it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes it takes like a yeah. motivator like that. Like, an in, I mean, it sucks to say like, I don't know. I, I don't know how to, say this coming off bad like an injury yep. or a death or Altering, like a life yeah oh crap event can really make someone go i'm trying yeah. this i don't yeah. care what happens and and so sometimes that's what it takes but yeah like oh man like when i worked at john deere if i would have died they'd have my job listed exactly that and, afternoon and yep on the radio you yep. know what i mean so it, you know it is i get it they got it's, it's a tough, balance, right? It's a you tough, know, that's the thing. It's, it's a balance. It's At a the balance. end of the day, we're all adults with responsibilities and pay, you know, bills to pay and stuff like that. I, I get that, you know, but like you said, we yeah. will never regret having taken that chance, you know? And again, it turned into, uh, yeah. that was the best four months. I'm not even just saying job wise, marriage wise. That was so much fun. I literally got to hang out with my best friend <laughs> 16 hours a day, minimal, yeah. <laughs> and do all this. And that, and that yeah. even built that partnership up, you know? So it was just, man, was it cool. For sure. You know? Well, I think it's good to talk like how we're talking about this certain stuff because there might be someone listening that's at a job. Like they might like their job, but they also have this like side passion or a skill, whether it's like yeah. woodworking or metalwork or injury or they're interested mm -hmm. in gardening or deer processing or like gene you know raising bees to make his own honey to start his own business you know like that like little motivators like do what you want to do to like get what you want out of life it is and, so short and your brother life work, is whether so it's on the short. side and you take, well yeah and then like start that taper it in like yep. make some make a side hustle like it's and i'm not saying everything you can do full time right, but right there's and, options and, and not only like, that People make money. I'll tell doing you what, not only that, shit. <laughs> but you can make all the excuses in the world. Somebody out there is not making excuses. And somebody out there is working harder than you. And if any it for me, that's a motivator. Yeah. That pisses me off. That makes me want to work harder. You know? Like I want to be the hardest working yeah. person in the room. Yeah. You know, I want when people talk 
about the work that we did as butchers, and I say that collectively, me and my husband. When people talk about the work that we did, mm-hmm. I want them to say they do a good job. That a work ethic for me is a point of pride, and I know it's a point of pride for him too. You know, so it it just yeah. again the rewards were just off the charts. You know, I wish I had another 10 hours in the day so that I could have hunted as hard as I worked. (laughs) But, you know, that also was partially my fault. So when your kids get older, well, it's all good. But when your kids are older, now they're old enough to take out their with Now they're out uh, in Colorado looking for an elk hunting spot for mommy. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. See, you got you got to figure it out. You got to. I appreciate that. I appreciate. Hey, before um, (laughs) we, or you know, I'm sure that there's a time constraint or anything, but um, before we do that, can I just really quick things that your processor wants you to know? (laughs) Okay, so in order to minimize gaminess, um, you need to obviously first and foremost have good shot placement. Obviously everybody knows this. I'm sure that good shot placement has been said in every single deer hunting podcast that's ever run, but that's also very important to how your meat tastes because the farther they run, the more the lactic acid and the adrenaline gets into that muscle tissue and disperses and it will make your meat taste gamier. So good shot placement, a quick Mm -hmm. recovery, obviously, and then gutting it and getting it cold, getting it cold being and clean or clean and cold. Those are the two things I want the most. That's the thing that makes us the happiest when we see it come in, when we see it hosed out inside and it's clean and it's, you know, they already got ice in it or something. That's, that's what it makes our Mm -hmm. job the easiest. And it makes it the easiest to get you the most amount of meat humanly possible, you know? Um, the other thing too is hang time. And I think it's really interesting. I don't think a lot of people touch on hanging their deer and aging very much. Um, I think, Mm -hmm. and in fact, I, I'm not even going to say, I think as if this is an opinion, I know for a fact that aging deer benefits the taste of the deer. It is absolutely beneficial. Um, according to Mississippi state university studies, the ideal time in ideal conditions, which my cooler is ideal conditions. Yep. Dry and cool. Yeah, dry and the cool. optimal time, according to MSU, is 14 to 18 days, which is more than most people would probably wow. guess. Well, and is that hide on or hide off? prefer hide off in order to get it colder faster um, and because it's easier to skin earlier on. Now... I think if you put your deer in hide on and you put it immediately into the cooler, that's how I prefer it because you lose a lot less to that drying out process. That whole part of the deer, the meat is now not exposed. Um, But you have to be careful and make sure that that deer gets cold, like thoroughly cold, if you're going to keep the hide on. And then you also have to prepare yourself mentally for getting that hide off. And and we right, and then it probably plays and it's like what's on the yeah, hide, absolutely. how clean it is, you know. And, and all uh, that, I'm but sure. we had a little system. We rigged it up where there was a, a winch and an anchor point, and we just made it so that you could essentially hook on the hide and then go and pull the winch, and it just skinned it for me. So because, yeah, because oh cool, Have you guys we didn't try it. I wish we did, but I, I mean it makes sense. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I've always seen people do it on the internet. I mean, or we didn't the, try uh, that one either. I just ball. I was happy with my winch, yep. and and then when the winch eventually broke because I was trying to be cheap, uh, then I just called my husband the winch, and he just. <laughs> I was like, "There you go. Get that bicep okay. back in shape, well, baby." That's <laughs> yeah, that's right. Get it working. Well, I'm glad you you brought some good educational tips and tricks and facts. Yeah, thank you to this podcast. Um, yeah, I think that was great. So I wish you guys the best of luck this season. Uh, what, what's it called? Where can people find you if they want to come to you? If they want to get some canned goods, if or you have a deer, just <laughs> a legally tagged deer, please. <laughs> um, yes. so Wilson's butchering, yes. we're in Plainville, Illinois. Uh, the other thing is Wilson's country kitchen and that's all of my agricultural stuff, the pickles, the, all that stuff. So, and again, out of Plainville. So cool. I'm Can getting people order online. I from that? am literally just waiting on yeah. the vegetables that I have now going. And then I am going to be able mm -hmm. to make so much because I have so much planted this year that I will be able to sell online and that will be on Etsy. So, yeah. Cool. Well, save me some beets because my kids eat like a That's jar amazing. of pickled beets a day. <laughs> and so I'm like, I know. Damn, mine kids. are the same so, way. For, uh, for the record, I need to mine just will sit there and scarf it. them. I know, and it's they're so good. I I don't eat them because my kids want them, yeah. so now I'm like I can't eat them because so I have to just stock up. So <laughs> you got hold it. me some. So well, of cool. Course I All right, well, thank you, you so guys. much. I appreciate it. The telephone. We need to get you in studio. So I, we can I'm drink only a cold two hours beer. away, brother. <laughs> Come on up, bring the hubby. Everybody, thank you for tuning in, watching, and listening. Hopefully, you learned something and enjoyed this. We'll see you next week. Go shoot a giant. We love you. Peace.